You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss safety related to outdoor recreation activities at every level ranging from first-time hikers finding the information they need to safely participate in their activity, all the way to displays of extreme sports and big stunts pushing the envelope. All of this in service of making sure outdoor recreation participants are able to safely have fun outside. Let's get into it. Honestly, when I when I think about snow sports and safety, I remember the days when we did some research on on what people were saying, what the perceptions of snowboarding safety were. Because um, mm-hmm. those are the days when it was like, oh, dude, you're gonna break your you're gonna break your wrist. You know, you're gonna fall flat, and you're gonna get a concussion. This is gonna happen. And it got to the point where it if if you did a search for where can I take my kids to learn snowboard, the first five sites that popped up were about broken wrists. Or, and one was, I think one was a mommy blog about how her precious junior went to try snowboarding and came home with a broken wrist and and she didn't ever want him snowboarding again and thinking, you know, that's the keep your kid in a box to be safe kind of a, kind of a mentality. Um, Sure. But it was, it was at a point where the perception was just crazy and what they were showing in snow sports media was extreme, right? It was, it was slope style. It was, and it was awesome. Loved it. But the, and the, Backcountry stuff, also awesome, also amazingly dangerous. Sure. So, so it's, you know, it was it was sort of a question of, okay, you know, at what point is, are, are we, is it, has it gone too far? And I'm thinking, you know, and I always kind of think about that because my answer has traditionally been never. And the reason I say it's never gone too far is because at some point someone's going to try it. But it's, it's, a, it's just absolutely amazing what's going on now. And I mean, I look at, I, I'm a, I love Red Bull Rampage video. I love it. It's amazing. I cannot believe they're doing those things. People die in adventure or extreme sports venues all the time. I mean, it's not, it's not ridiculous. It's not like you've got a one in five chance of death yeah. if you, if you ride the, the A-line trail at Whistler. I mean, that's not true, but you know, I kind of, I, I sort of, I sort of am in, in wonder of the limits of human performance and in in outdoor venues. I mean, people are hucking cliffs on bikes, on skis, on snowboards, without anything, in wingsuits. And wow, it's just amazing. And yeah, I think it's getting more dangerous. So I do. And if I, you know, if if I had little kids around, yeah, you know, I'd buy them skateboards, but you know, we'd be talking about consequences a little bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think you've done a great job of kind of describing how that most extreme, how like the the folks who are like pushing the boundaries are affected by our our desire to be more extreme and to push those boundaries and, and the effect that has on their like, you know, the the safety inherent in their activities. Can you touch on how that affects the rest of the participants? So like, you know, when when we see that boundary pushed out in snow, where does like the median go for snow? Is that affected? Sometimes. Or is it not? Maybe the, it, okay. it, in, a, in different ways, though. And, I, and I'm going to say that it, it sort of comes from if one human can do it, all humans have the potential to do it. Hmm. So, to think, about, think about that for, for one second, um, how that might affect the participant base, especially, you know, yeah. the, the aspirational participant base. And I'm mm-hmm. talking I'm talking a lot about about kids. 
there are also, you know, there, there are plenty of adults that are that are seeing something and trying new things. And some of it has to do with advances in equipment. So, you know, the average skier today probably skis faster and better in the sense that they are in control as they ski that fast. As Jean-Claude yeah. Clely used to ski back in the day on his straight skis. I mean, it's just so the advances in equipment have enabled us to do new things, to try to push the boundaries. And so an athlete, I think it's it's not necessarily a clean formula, but, you know, athletes push boundaries so that media can make money and yeah. everybody's happy. And as those boundaries are pushed, product manufacturers are looking for product that will help people that are aspirational about being able to huck themselves off cliffs and do those things. They want to provide them with the equipment that will allow them to do that in a in some kind of, you know, that's never going to be completely safe, but you know, people are doing it. <laughs> and and I mean, think about all the people I think about in snow, I think about all the people that have explored backcountry that never thought about doing it in the last 15 years. I mean, backcountry just took off. And some of it had to do with the Alpine touring binding. You know, they didn't, you didn't have to learn how to telemark. To, to do ski touring in the backcountry. And you didn't have to use cross-country skis or metal edge cross-country skis. You could actually put skins on and, and scoot on up the mountain and, and have a basically a, a nice little alpine ski down. Um, but the number of people that are exploring the backcountry now means that there are more people that are going to end up in, in difficulty, especially when they don't understand what happens is in drainages and what happens when the, when the snowpack is unstable. And, you know, the most important thing they can take into the backcountry is really, you know, their educated mind. Um, oh, that's I like said, that. Right. That said, you know, there, there have been advances in equipment, especially, you know, in, in things like beacons and in um, AVI packs that, you know, have, have demonstrably, you know, reduced injury and death in the backcountry. And, it, and it's just a balloon that blows up and keeps you up and helps people find you in an avalanche. It doesn't stop an avalanche. There's no stopping an avalanche. Yeah. It's, no. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to think that as as the extreme end of of these of these outdoor sports is pushed, that does I think it does push the median performance in a variety of ways, but it also pushes innovation and equipment, and frankly, in apparel. I mean, because once you decide, well, we've got three million people in the backcountry, yeah, maybe they're looking for some apparel where they don't either you know bake or freeze. Yeah. So it it's it you know it does. One of the things I do love about pushing boundaries um, from an athletic performance standpoint is that it does push innovation in the market. It does. And it pushes innovation in thinking. The question is, what's the cost? I mean, is it, mm -hmm. is it, is it worth, you know, watching athletes risk their lives? I've always had one thing on my bucket list. You know, <laughs> please don't die because you were stupid. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at, at what point do you say, okay, that this is, this is, this is kind of dumb and it's the risk is too high. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. And they're doing triple mm. flips on, on motorcycles in Pasadena, Maryland, you know, a mere 60 miles from me right this minute. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I want to repeat back to you the way that I understand this and see if you agree or if you disagree, but it sounds like what you're saying is that sort of public stunts, if we can kind of group a bunch of stuff together as um, kind of extreme sports, public displays of pushing the boundary, like just going as far as you can go to to do something extreme, alters our perception of safety. And perceptions of safety and actual like realized safety are very different. And the way that we 
change our behavior based on how dangerous we perceive an activity is you know, we're more likely to change our behavior because of that than you know changes in actual safety. And, and I'm I'm speaking maybe specifically to to my experience with the bike industry where it doesn't necessarily matter how safe an area is for bicycling. What matters is how safe you think it is. And if you feel like improvements in infrastructure have made it safer for you, you're more likely to ride. But if it doesn't, if you don't think it's safe to ride, maybe you're not aware of recent improvements in infrastructure. You're not aware of changes that are favorable to to safe places to bike. That awareness component is so huge. I, I You've kind of approached it from the other end, which is like, if we demonstrate that these folks don't perceive danger here, kind of changes the way that I perceive danger. And, and I think like, well, because someone else has pushed that boundary, maybe I can push that boundary too. Do you think that's a fair summarization or is that painting with too broad a brush? I guess, I guess my argument isn't that the perception of, of danger changes. I mean, I think that the, in many outdoor situations, there's obvious danger. I mean, if there's obvious danger just skiing down a groomer, right? I mean, you, yeah. there's a, any any wild six year old on skis and and a, or a snowboard, you know, will attest to the fact that you know little things on the slope could come get you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're never quite. And why is it that all the injuries I have are from dumb stuff? I mean, not like cool. I don't have a cool story about it. I wasn't pushing a boundary. I was like out walking dogs when I separated my shoulder. Oh no, and things like that. But when I think about, it's not necessarily the change in the perception of danger that I'm talking about. And it's not necessarily just, oh, it's something awesome. It's like, maybe I can do that. So, I mean, think about the days when the, like the coolest thing they did was a daffy off a little jump, you know, as part of the, as part of the, you know, downhill little slalom. And yeah. now we've got, we've got 80 foot gaps, you know, in a, in a park that's designed specifically for park skiing and snowboarding. They've got a giant half pipe that you can you can pop 30 feet out of and pop back down i mean it's there's there's no i don't think there's a difference in danger but the first time somebody did like a 1080 that was a big deal mm. and yeah, then you huge. could go to you could go let's say you could go to you know any kind of a, a park at say Breck or Mammoth or you know some of the places where you saw a lot of those little grounds who are just doing things that were mind blowing and all the kids start to try i mean once one person pushes that limit it's a perception of the limit mm, more than okay. it's a perception perception of the danger involved in reaching that limit. It's like, oh, they can do it, therefore. And you can see that progression in extreme sports. I mean, you saw it with Travis Pastrana doing the first backflip on a on a, a dirt bike. And now they're doing triple flips. Same thing with BMX, same thing with skate. I mean, look at what they're doing in longboard now. I can, yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's nuts. They're doing 70 miles an hour and you know, they're sliding to slow down. <laughs> Holy crap. So it, and look at Red Bull Rampage. I mean, that that's mountain biking has mountain biking is one of the most excellent examples of progression. Yeah. I mean, when I started mountain biking, which was in the days when you know, I just graduated from my, you know, I had a Schwinn Stingray, but we had reinforced the frame because we had a welder <laughs> <laughs> and we jumped our bikes a lot. So it, yeah, I remember I remember when like it was just cool to ride a mountain bike and you know just out on a dirt road and find some jumps and stuff and that was kind of the pinnacle of of it. Now I look at that my whole like, somebody somebody's done an awful lot of work to see what yeah. they could do on this thing. What can we do with this? And the imagination is really it seems at this point might be the only limit. It's it's pretty. I think about wingsuiting. Mm. I mean, parachuting yeah. kind of started as a military operation, right? Yeah, exactly. 
So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that it's, you know, people are perceiving it like if they can do it and live, then I can do it and, and live. And I'm, and the other, the other aspect of this is yes, they are public stunts, but almost anybody can do a public stunt now because of social media. So if you want, if you want to go viral on social media, you know, do something epic. And I think people are going for that. And I think kids are going for that. Epic. I like do, it. Doing it for the gram. I, I will tell you that the worst injury I had bicycling was just a broken wrist and it's not that bad, but the worst I'd ever hurt myself was because I bought a GoPro and I was trying to go epic. And it was quite literally the day I bought a GoPro, I broke my wrist. Cause I was like, I gotta go pretty big for this GoPro. The footage has to be killer. And it was killer, but it was in the wrong direction. It was, it was a killer blooper reel of, of Patrick's descent into a dry Creek bed where he broke there's the a, Jesus. There's wrist. a whole genre of mountain bike fails on YouTube. You should yeah. check it out. Yeah. We've talked about the extreme stuff and pushing the limit. Let's, Let's talk describe about education, how to like, how does somebody, how does somebody learn? Honestly, how many people do a lot of research on, on something before they go and do it for the, the first time you go for a hike? I think that the message really is sh they should, but many mm. don't. And, you know, we talk about extreme sports being dangerous, but, you know, a lot of people um, basically get into trouble because they're unprepared. Yeah. So it's sort of the other end of that. You know, what are you doing? You're a complete doofus that doesn't know anything. You go out and try it, right? This is where we could get dangerously into a conversation about basically minivanning the outdoors and, and for for people that- um, Hang on, hang on. What is that? Minivanning the outdoors. It's making yeah, it, uh, making every, every bit of the backcountry accessible to anyone, it, you know, anytime. So that's sardine mm, can tourism. That's like driving. We should every, there should be roads through every piece of backcountry we have so that it's accessible to people that you know want to want to see it that way. Hmm. So it okay. yeah. At some point though, yeah, stupidity fucking kills. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably probably faster than just about anything other than hubris. Hmm. Man, I like that. I'm just gonna leave that hang in there. Well, let's talk about how how I, someone who's not experienced, like, we'll use me as an example. Like, I'm not experienced doing an activity. Let's say I'm not an experienced hiker. And and you've talked about how hiking is so easily accessible. It's probably the most easily accessible outdoor rec activity because it, it doesn't take a lot of equipment. It doesn't take a lot of, uh, I, I would say, knowledge. But I, I think that might be where we go with this conversation. It doesn't okay. take a lot of experience. How about that? It doesn't take okay. a lot of experience in order to be comfortable with hiking. How can uh, I go from someone with no understanding, no experience, no education, and and not just feel comfortable, but actually be safe in in this outdoor rec pursuit? Uh, and and what what dangers exist? Like how how can I like if I'm being safe, what am I being safeguarded against? Right. So like I would think as someone who is in the outdoor rec industry, like okay, well I need to know where I'm going and like what to expect when I get there. Right. And so there's some level of map reading and like wayfinding maybe and, th and that's probably true for almost every outdoor rec activity is like I, I need to just know where to go to do this thing safely and then there's there's a lot of physical aspects too like my water intake my calorie intake my um having the right equipment for it e even if it is just hiking but you don't want to be out there in, in flip-flops if you're going on a 10-mile hike right what barriers need to be overcome so that I a beginner can can strike out on an outdoor rec pursuit and be safe. Um, I I think really it's it's any kind of lack of knowledge you might have about what you're doing. I think a lot of people you know do their first hike by accident. Maybe I don't know when I did when I was a kid. But <laughs> it was like oh let's 
what's down this? And, you know, we ended up hiking a trail down to the creek. It's like, this is really cool. We found frogs yeah. and fish and stuff. But when I've, when I've run into, and this is my N equals one moment for the day, right? Back up in, in my home trail system, which is um, the Frederick Watershed. Uh, you can look it up on, on um, any kind of trail app. You can see, you know, how many amazing trails are there. But back in the day, before apps were available, yes. it was, and it was very intentional. We buried maps of the watershed. We did not want a lot of people in our in the watershed. It's it was DNR land. There was a state park right next door that was that was minivanned a little bit, you know, for mm-hmm. tourists. So, you know, but we didn't we really were trying to avoid that because it's sort of a wild trail system. And um <laughs> I mean, when I think about people entering a trail system like that, I think about all of the people that I found that were lost on those trails. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I was trail running, when I was hiking, when I was out there with my dogs, inevitably, almost every single time, you know, somebody come up, heard, had heard about the trails from somebody, come up from D.C. or Virginia, didn't really know that about the trails. They, you know, they could, they, they had a bike or they were hiking, they weren't dying. And, but if you get lost, you can suffer from exposure. If you're not, if you don't have the right equipment, yeah. you know, you could get injured. Um, if you don't know the ecosystem, you could maybe have an encounter with an animal that doesn't go your way. I mean, there there are a lot of things that can happen. But the thing that I that I saw most often that was sort of a precursor to a dangerous situation was just people being lost. So that tells me that before they went on this hike, for the most part, nothing bad is going to happen to them. They're going to get lost. They're probably going to have to hike their bike up something that they didn't want to hike it up. Or sure, ride sure. But, you know, now that we have, now that we have, you can carry something with you that'll help you figure out where you are. Um, you know, that's, that danger has, has diminished a little bit, but you still have issues of, you know, of, of encountering flora and fauna that are, that are hazardous to your health, getting cold, too hot, running out of water, you know, being lost and having no food. I mean, all of those are things that can happen, even on a simple day hike. So, yeah. you know, I think the, the, the main thing that, you know, beyond the extreme sports that, that we should talk about is how most people experience the outdoors and how, how they can have an enjoyable experience with just a slight, you know, a tiny bit of information. I mean, it's not like you have to go to school before you go for a hike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you kind of just want to know what the trail is going to be like so you can ride, wear the right footwear. Like you said, do you want to hike 10 miles and flip-flops? No. I know a dude in Hawaii, Bad though. Time. I knew this guy in Hawaii. He ran all the Honolulu marathons and he ran a whole bunch of the other races. So I'd see him all the time. And we, he was about an eight mile pace in his mm-hmm. flip flops. And I knew that because I was about an eight mile pace. And there's this guy passing me in his flip flops. He could hike 10 miles in his flip flops for the rest of us. Yeah, that would be a fucking disaster. <laughs> or, or, you know, people bring their, people bring their little dogs. Right. And yeah. forget to bring water. Don't know what to expect. Maybe there's snakes on the trail. That'll scare some people off. Right. Don't bring your cocker spaniel if there's there, you think you're going to run into a timber rattler. But yeah. so there, I mean, these are just these are just basic things to to try and be aware of. I mean, situational awareness, super important um, on trail. So if you're going to a trail the first time, probably don't wear your earbuds that, you know, and turn them up to 11 for your trail run. Just little things. But yeah, I mean, there's always an element of danger. But no, we're not hucking ourselves off cliffs and hoping for the best, right? We're yeah. just going for a nice hike. But, right, things can happen. And I think it is on, on you know, this is this used to be something that outdoor outdoor specialty retailers did a really good job of. I was I was about to get us there. So like, I, I do think, you know, with 
with all the technology that we have available and all the online resources that anyone can access to find um, information on like what they can expect, like trail conditions, all that sort of stuff. And this is across any activity, right? In addition to all those online resources, the wealth of information that exists at a local retailer is like unmatched, or at least it should be. That that's been my experience. I assume that any outdoor retailers can be able to say, like, yeah, you know, we we really dig this trail system. We really like going here to do this thing. So um, just know, like, if you do, you know, take some water with you or watch out for the crummy trail conditions in this part. Maybe take the easy way around or something. How about um, like, don't drink water out of that creek. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, yeah, don't let your don't let your dog drink out of that creek too, because that's not a fun time when your dog yeah. gets Girardia. Girardia um, is not a an Italian sandwich. It's not. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but that you know that wealth of information at the local retailers is unmatched in my experience, and and I I think I would implore the potential outdoor rec participant to go to that retailer and ask them questions about where to go and, and what to expect when you get there. And I would also say to the outdoor retailer, like, Hey, that's your chance. Like it's, it's tough. Sometimes I've met folks and I sometimes can be like this where I don't want to tell just any old person where I go to fish. Cause I don't want that spot to get blown up, you know, but I, I think, you know, all of us who enjoy spending time outside have a duty to be a like kind of a steward for that activity and for the resource and for the environment and help people safely access it so that they can have fun too and like share the love of whatever fishing in my last example or hiking or cycling or skiing or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's how we can be a steward is by helping folks access it in a safe, responsible way. Agreed. And I mean, that includes sort of leave no trace. And that horrible problem yeah. in national parks that involves people, too many people pooing <laughs> in the backcountry. Yeah. I mean, if you see someone yeah. pooing too much in the backcountry, tell them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. And it, I mean, we should all be ambassadors. And, you know, if somebody gets into trouble, the coolest one I ever had was in the same trail system, but there's a there's a um, a Buddhist monastery up on the top of the mountain, which is super cool. And, you know, I started running into Buddhist monks who were out on trail and it's nice to carry like some kind of a bar or something, you know, you might run into somebody that's hungry or somebody, even if you don't want it, you know, there are things that you can do that are just super nice that'll make you feel good, especially when you run into lost hikers. But I I will admit to this. Okay. I'm going to cop to this. In the watershed, back when there weren't apps that showed where all the trails were, if I found somebody lost back there, I would I would just tell them how to get back to their car, wherever it might mm-hmm. be, and um, and suggest that you know they should check out the the really great trails in Gambrel State Park, <laughs> which is right next door, and they could yeah. hike without getting lost or bike without getting lost. And it was those trails were really they just sold the crap out of those trails, Patrick. I sold it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah, I, you know, I look back on that. I'm like, well, it was maybe, maybe I was being a little bit of an asshole, but I helped them. You know, I was very nice. I, they didn't know what I was doing. I got them yeah. back to their car safely, and then, yeah. you know, hopefully, they explored Gambrel, which is a very <laughs> excellent state park that yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure they enjoyed. But yeah, I was trying to get them off my trail. I really was. And now there's no, there's no getting these people off my trails. <laughs> we might as well all be really nice and teach each other. We've like democratized the outdoor access by just folding all of these resources into different apps or different online resources that have helped 
map those resources. And, and, um, you know, I almost said for better, for worse, but I, I think it's for better. You know, you've mentioned some negative externalities of too many people. And, and we've had discussions about overcrowding and, and disbursement. And I think all of that still rings true, but, but more information that is more easily accessible certainly serves to get more folks participating in, in activities safely. Right. Yeah. So I think overall, it, it's certainly a benefit for the outdoor rec world. Yeah, it definitely is. And, it, you know, if if we could pass on some of the values, including connection to nature and leave no trace and, you know, respect for the environment, respect just in general for yeah. where you are and what you're doing. And, you know, I think that the outdoors has a potential to, to teach um, empathy in a way that that is really important to human beings. I really think so. And I think more empathy is, is there's no downside to having more empathy ever. And that means empathy for the environment, empathy for your fellow yeah. human. Um, and that means we're just, you know, let's, let's be kind to each other and respectful. You know, you, it's, this isn't a, this isn't time to be a Karen out on trail and tell someone that, you know, how dare they do this and this and this, that's not what I'm talking about. And um, that's not the way to do this. But, you know, setting examples, if if extreme athletes can set examples for how far we can push performance, then many of us ambassadors to the outdoors can can set an example for how we interact with our environment and the outdoors oh, and other people. Man, I love that. That's perfect. Oh, what a great way to like tie kind of two halves of our conversation back together. Um, All right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to drop uh, the mic. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was really good though. I like that. Um, Thanks. Thanks for going on that journey with me, Patrick. Yeah, I'm glad that I was able to trick you into a conversation that I sold you on safety, but we really got to talk about feelings at the end. This is good. You I knew I could lead with you, that. You keep believing that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this was great. Yeah, let's um, let's go be safe outside and let's push the limits. Come on, push the limits. Be ready for the consequences. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.